Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I hope that you're having a wonderful day and I'm so excited to get into today. I had said that I wasn't sure if we would need a part three of this series. However, I have been feeling so energized and so inspired to continue talking on this subject. And one thing I really like about this space in this community is that I receive so many DMs and people willing to share their thoughts and feedback and that really helps to have this kind of co-creative experience with the podcast where I'm reflecting on your feedback and, you know, we're all kind of creating this space together, which I think is really cool and really beautiful. And so from some of the feedback I've received, as well as what I've been reflecting on since recording part two, I just felt like part three was necessary and I'm super, super excited to get into today. I don't really have a whole lot in terms of intro segments. What I've been reading hasn't really changed. I've actually kind of not been reading as much, interestingly. I started this kind of children's book, which is just kind of slow at the moment. And maybe I'll just put it down for a bit because I find that if I'm not really enjoying something, I find it really hard to finish. And I recently have become okay with just not finishing books, whereas in the past I would just force myself to get through it. So I might have a better update for you in terms of what I'm reading and what I'm enjoying in next week's episode. Same thing with what I'm watching. I've been kind of bouncing around to different series I finally watched Stranger Things for all of the episodes that are out. And interestingly, I kind of watched them in a really weird order because I went back to my family home and my little brother wanted to watch it together and I really wanted to watch it with him, but he was already four episodes in. So I started it at episode four. He gave me a little rundown and then I just went back and watched episodes one through four. So I'm all caught up. I will say that my what I had heard about it being a little bit darker than the previous seasons is definitely true. There are just quite a few moments in this particular series that I'm like, okay, wow, that is a lot. But overall, I'm really enjoying it. If you're watching it, I one thing I really like about this series is all of the different storylines. I find each of them so interesting and I'm so excited to see what happens next. And Stranger Things just generally does have a very special place in my heart because I feel like the first season was so nostalgic and so feel good. I loved when they were kids and I just loved the dynamic that they had. And yeah, so that is a really special series to me and I'm really enjoying that. But until the rest of the series 
is released. I don't really have anything consistent on the go. I had mentioned that I'm watching or me and Jamie are watching kind of casually keep sweet, pray and obey. And what I will say, what I will say is I recognize that this might be triggering this type of show if you have had that type of experience in some sort of religious group. Um, And I had seen a few people talk about that on social media, how actually seeing a series like this was really triggering because it feels perhaps like it really trivializes or makes something that was really traumatic for them into entertainment. And this is generally something that I've thought about in terms of different forms of entertainment from true crime and just different things that I that I watch and I think it it depends on the way that it's approached in the sense that if this series could help other people have clarity on an experience that they had or help someone who perhaps hasn't had that experience understand some of the risks to you know be aware of when it comes to being manipulated perhaps or you know, any number of things, I think it can be sort of educational, but I can really understand how it would be upsetting to see that type of thing being shown and it not being taken seriously, perhaps. Besides that, I've been really gravitating towards things that help me to feel connected to my inner child and are just generally comforting. I feel like I've gone through a lot of phases where a lot of the content that I consume is very like upsetting and dark and I just realized that I had kind of got to the point where this was so normalized and I wanted to find content that would make me feel really good and like cozy and warm and just safe and that wasn't really something that I was getting from any type of content that I was consuming whether it was social media movies books whatever it was all kind of heavy and dark and so I've been really gravitating towards actually just different children's books and movies and shows one that I had mentioned on Instagram and TikTok, which I would highly recommend, it was such a feel good for me, was Wind in the Willows. And I actually just found that on YouTube. So if you're feeling like you want a nice little comfort movie, something to just cozy up with, with a cup of tea like I did on a rainy day, that is a really good one. As of this exact moment, I am drinking a Earl Grey tea, nothing exciting, but I do have a little update and something to tell you about, which I would highly recommend. It's this new tea that I tried, and usually what I'll do when I make iced tea is I brew the tea hot, and then you kind of have to wait for it to cool down, put some ice in it, or put it in the fridge, and then you can drink it with whatever you want to add to it. I honestly can't remember if I already mentioned this, but Jamie and I got these new teas. They're called Tetley cold infusions I think yeah that's what it's called and basically it's designed it's meant to be put into cold water so you don't have to brew hot tea and I was a little skeptical at first because I didn't really understand how it would make it flavorful without being hot but they're really I guess concentrated and they're really good so if that is something that you like having iced tea but you're perhaps impatient like me and you want something quick those are really good I've only ever tried the raspberry cranberry flavor, but they have a few other flavors. And I'm sure this is like a product that you can find 
that is not just exclusive to Tetley, but just sharing the one that I tried. And then lastly, I just wanted to share that I recently launched my Patreon and it has been so expansive and so cool and so exciting to see the first few members trickle in. And I'm just so excited to continue evolving the space that we have here on the podcast to delve into some of the topics in a little bit more depth and to have a little bit more conversation and dialogue and opportunities to expand each other. So I had mentioned that all of my existing digital resources live there from the manifestation quiz, the authenticity quiz, my four-week authenticity program, and some inner child work and meditations. So I'm really excited about that. And then of course that will grow into include monthly discussions and Q&As and just different things that are on my mind, posts, member only posts, voice notes, videos, and resources. So I want to say thank you if you are a member of that community already. And of course, my invitation to you, if you are feeling called to join that, I would love to have you as well. All right. So getting into today's episode, in part one of this series, we talked about how our often narrow views of ourselves in the world come to be. And then in part two, we talked about some of the patterns of limitation we can fall into and the things that really stop us from even feeling evolution or expansion is possible. Today we're going to take it a step further in answering the question or beginning to explore the question I should say of why we repel or push things away even when we say we want it. Why when we say for example that we want to be loved fully, to be accepted fully, to have more freedom, more money, more success, to express ourselves creatively, We self-sabotage and even push opportunities to experience this away when they come into our lives. I've touched on this idea in different episodes before, but we're really going to go in a bit further today because it's a theme and pattern that I've noticed to be quite prominent in my life. What I will say before getting into it is sometimes we change our mind, and that is okay too. When we're having this conversation of expansion, We don't always have to say that we have a desire and then that thing comes into our lives and we have to continue living in that way. The other part of this conversation is about evolution and allowing ourselves to change and evolve. So we really can't know the reality of something until we actually experience it. So sometimes when we say we want something, then we do it or we have it. And realize, okay, maybe this isn't what I was after. So we can adjust and refine and iterate and continue expanding into something new. But really what we'll be talking about today is when our rejection of an experience we desire to have is rooted in a belief that we're not worthy of having it. We have this internal sense of what we feel we're worth. And it's almost like we negotiate with the universe to give us an experience that matches that. And again, I always say this in episodes of this nature that we are, of course, in a dynamic space with people, other people, other beings, and events beyond our control. So it's not to say that things don't happen that are beyond our control or that we're to blame for all of the circumstances that are presenting themselves in our lives. This episode is about when we energetically don't resonate or reject something 
that contradicts a limiting narrative that we have about ourselves. So something that presents us with an opportunity to expand, even when we desire to have the experience. We become so used to not having the thing and maybe even tell ourselves that we're not worthy of having it that we don't really know what to do with it when it does come into our lives. So much of our energy can be consumed by this constant negotiation we make with the object of our desire that we don't know where to redirect the momentum of that negotiation process once we've attained it. Even when the thing that we desire has manifested in some way in our lives, the habits of thinking and behaving under the belief that we are unworthy of that thing may not be broken. And so I also talk about what happens when we habitually hang out in the energy of searching or striving, but never really feeling content. So the negotiation or idea that we have is our contentment and fulfillment will come once some external event or condition has been met. So the momentum and energy that we've spent on forming that habit of negotiating and searching and striving carries over even when we get what we want. So then we just move on to the next thing. Once again, I always want to say that there is nuance to this because there's indeed a hierarchy of needs that have been shown to be necessary in order to get out of survival mode. So when I say this idea that we have about some external event making us more fulfilled, well, there is validity in that when it comes to having our basic needs met. The energy behind what we're talking about in this case is more so based on the assumption that we must achieve or attain something in order to finally become happy or fulfilled. And I heard about this on another podcast. They were talking about this idea of what's called the arrival fallacy, which is, again, basically this illusion that our happiness lies in the attainment of some goal or some achievement. What I think happens quite often, at least for me, is we can actually have a low quality or unpleasant experience or unfulfilling experience once we've reached our goal or attained our desire because our having of it was built on a basis or a condition that may have required us to abandon some part of ourselves. So as an example, let's say our internal narrative in the realm of romantic partnership is that we're undesirable and that our authentic self is unlovable. If our desire is to have a partner, we may well believe that we have to negotiate some part of ourselves away in order to get that partner. Because we may have learned that if we don't make that negotiation, we won't connect with our desire for partnership. We may have even put that thing on a pedestal so energetically we feel that We're down here and the thing we desire is up here. So again, we have to make some sort of big climb or big leap or again, let some part of ourselves go in order to get to that place that we want to be. It's my belief that the outcomes that manifest that require us abandoning some big part of ourselves are often unpleasant and can lead to resentment and discontentment. Even when we got what we wanted, there can be this emptiness and lack of fulfillment because we may have had to abandon ourselves to get there. And like I said earlier, 
we may still be looping on this same narrative that we don't deserve to be happy, fulfilled, content, loved, etc. So here's a personal example from my life. For most of my life, my narrative socially and romantically has been that I have to alter myself to fit in. There are certain parts of myself that are unacceptable and unlovable and that I'm not deserving of a healthy relationship. Essentially, I learned to negotiate something away in order to have friendships and romantic partnerships, whether that be a part of myself, my desires, or even my standards. And understandably so, I think I speak for a lot of us in saying that my desire for love and acceptance was strong and even a driving force in my life. So growing up, when I felt in any way that I had gained social acceptance, even if it was a result of me abandoning myself or lowering my standards, I interpreted this, the feedback that I got was that this was a good thing because I got the outcome that I wanted a friend, for instance, or a partner. What seems to have become hard-coded into my psyche in early life was altering yourself, hiding parts of yourself, lowering your standards, and essentially putting in a lot of effort will get you the outcome that you want. So I began to make bigger and bigger negotiations, abandoning my creative gifts, my childlike nature, my playfulness, my curiosity and passion, my sense of humor, my desire to be heard, my desire for communication and relationships, and even my mental health and my own pleasure. I would quite often find myself in relationship dynamics that perpetuated these ideas that I had about myself, that I needed to chase, I can't be fully myself, I'm not worthy of feeling desired, cared for, listened to, communicated with, accepted fully. And this pattern became really apparent to me when people would come into my life that represented or embodied qualities that I had abandoned or suppressed or ways of being that I had decided I wasn't worthy of. So people who embodied playfulness, creativity, a carefree spirit, good communication, being treated well and respected, I would basically push these people away. And I even had all these weird narratives to justify and uphold these patterns that when I look back on are so bizarre and unhealthy and even sad. I thought to myself that it was unattractive when a guy shows he wants you or when he's straightforward and is available to you. I thought that niceness in general was unattractive and softness was undesirable which really isn't reflective of what I really desire in a relationship and what I really want if I were to have actually thought about it. The reality is the relationships that I had during this period were being upheld by this negotiation I felt was necessary to make in order to be worthy of them. So being myself or voicing my desires and my standards felt like I was going to lose that thing. Now, I have a really interesting example of when this started to shift for me, and I actually talked about this in more detail in an episode about things that have shifted in my life and that I feel have been sort of manifestations. So prior to having met Jamie, my partner, I 
was reflecting a lot on these patterns in my relationships. And I was just starting to learn about being more intentional and connecting with your values and things like manifestation and these topics. So something that I was doing a lot during this period of time was writing out lists of my ideal qualities and my ideal relationship dynamics. So things like good communication and being straightforward with intentions and being willing to commit if the connection is there. And all of these things that were kind of in contrast to what I had experienced leading up to that point. So it's almost like my relationship dynamics and patterns and people that I was with showed me ultimately what I didn't want so I could create a list of what I did want and also a list that was reflective of things that mattered to me values like you know family and being outside and being active and being committed to being a good person to themselves and others So I would say a few months before having met Jamie, I was really taking time for myself. I was not really dating anyone. I was really just focusing on my own stuff. And I feel like it was the first time I've said this before that I was actually kind of comfortable being single. Jamie was my first or is my first long-term partnership. However, before that, I was always I felt like I was always talking to someone, I was always dating someone whether it be casually or whatever. And so this was the first time that I really kind of consciously took a break from that. So the interesting part of this story is that I felt like I was in a really good place. I felt like I was no longer deeply feeding into these internal narratives about myself. So I go to this camp. This is where Jamie and I met, a summer camp in Ontario. And the really interesting thing that happened was, like I said, I had done a lot of work on myself. I was in a really good place. I was really clear on what I wanted. But this is a really good example of how even still we can push away experiences that we say we want. So I met Jamie on one of the first nights of being at camp and I was immediately drawn to him. I was immediately drawn to his sense of humor and his kindness and his playfulness and there were just so many different qualities that I was that were really a good match for me and that I felt really good about. So we kind of started talking, hanging out, whatever. But what happened after this initial connection that we formed was really interesting to me and I couldn't really figure it out at the time. But looking back, I can kind of see the dynamics that we're talking about in these episodes playing out in this situation. So the first thing that happened was he started to really be quite expressive, not in a overbearing way, just in a straightforward way, which I genuinely was not used to about his feelings for me. Maybe not so much about his feelings, but just being kind of asking if I wanted to hang out and making me feel valued and demonstrating that he was clearly interested in me so I didn't have really this feeling of much of a chase or that I had to really work hard or like I said negotiate away any part of myself to be cared for by this person but at the same time there was this other person kind of demonstrating interest in some other way to me that very obviously represented 
all of the dynamics that had played out in previous relationships that I had been trying to move away from, that I had identified were toxic to me, and that I really just didn't feel good about myself when I was in those relationships. So this is just such an interesting example to see kind of how I navigated this situation because my internal dialogue and my internal narrative with the person that kind of represented old relationship dynamics and what I was trying to move away from was like, Siobhan, you know better. You don't need to go back into that type of relationship. You are worth more than that. And funny enough, I went for it. That was what I fell back into. And it really it really did burn me in the end, like very much so. I was lucky enough to have maintained a friendship with Jamie throughout that period of time because I should say, if it makes me sound bad when I say that there were these kind of two dynamics, I wasn't committed to either person in the beginning. I was just getting to know people when I first arrived. So I had mentioned that kind of two things happen in this story. The first is I'm presented with this opportunity to, you know, go back into the same patterns that I always have, which I did. The second thing that kind of happened is that I had maintained this friendship with Jamie, as I mentioned. We were close friends and hanging out and after everything kind of blew up in my face with that other dynamic, he and I kind of were, as I said, still friends. And we kind of started to slowly hang out a little bit more. And again, there was obviously a mutual interest there. I still felt a lot of resistance to this idea of being treated well. And I know that may sound weird if you've never been in that position, but it really is how I felt. I resisted being communicated with well. I had all these narratives around it, like I had mentioned. And ultimately, what it felt like was that my own level of self-worth didn't match the level of self-worth that I experienced when I was with this person, with Jamie. It wasn't until I was able to open up to the idea that maybe I was worth more and maybe I was worth that kind of truth. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I could have this healthy dynamic that didn't always feel like a chase. And that didn't always feel like I had to alter myself in order to be loved and accepted. And I think the way that this relationship formed was really nice, actually, because we started off just as friends. And even though it felt like there was a bit more of a connection there, starting off as friends and kind of maintaining that friendship for a period of time meant that because I didn't associate that I was trying to win his love or approval in a romantic way, and it was just kind of that friendly dynamic, I wasn't trying to change myself. Again, I felt like the negotiation that I had to make in a relationship was to change myself in order to be loved and to have this chase. But because we started off as friends, I didn't have that same feeling of needing to change myself. I was just being myself. And so it was actually a really nice foundation because once it did start to evolve into something more, I had already felt this sense of acceptance and like I wasn't really putting on a show. And what really helped me to open up to this experience that I was having, again, going back to what we talked about in part two, was just being curious and just asking myself questions if the dynamics I found myself continuing to fall into were reflective of my values and what I really wanted in a relationship, was it possible for me to have a healthy relationship? And so in this experience, I was expanded by basically two things. First, getting a taste of a different experience from what I had had in the past. And then second, my own willingness, while I did kind of veer off path, to eventually be open to it and allow myself to experience it without pushing it away. What I will say is once I allowed myself to open up to it, the floodgates completely opened and it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It completely defied what I thought was possible in terms of being in a relationship with someone and we're still together four years later and it's just the best I've ever felt in a relationship. I really, really don't have any sense at all of a chase or feeling like I need to change myself to be accepted and loved. And that is truly something that I had never experienced in a relationship before. And that has just opened me up to so much and so much healing and transformation within myself as well and within the relationship. Another personal example of this is in my relationship to social media and my audience. I initially really rejected the idea that I could be successful in this space 
or be successful without having to present a different version of myself so people would like me. So again, going back to one of my core themes socially is that I have to change myself in order to be approved. So the idea that I could just go online, go onto social media, be myself, and people would accept me and gravitate towards me it just wasn't a possibility in my head. And going back to what we talked about in part two about how sometimes we don't feel that we have enough proof to shift away from a limiting narrative that we have about ourselves because we may have never experienced that. I myself have never experienced any kind of social media following or success and that feels very far removed from any experience that I've ever had and I also really don't know anyone personally or didn't know prior to starting this journey anyone personally that had had that success on any level and what I find really interesting is I actually have heard this from even creators way way bigger than me like millions of followers that even with the big following so again even with the thing that perhaps on some level is desired still feeling unworthy and becoming creatively blocked or just completely paralyzed from the experience that they're having and completely resisting it. So ultimately, we're in this kind of dance of being presented with different alternatives and opportunities while also deciding whether we open up to more of them based on what our internal narrative tells us about our compatibility with that opportunity. And I talked about how we don't always have to have first-hand experience with something. The internet is fun in some ways because it allows us to expand simply by being exposed to someone else's experience. Obviously, that might not be as potent as first-hand experience, but I think once we get into this habit of being expanded by other people and being expanded by experiences that we're having... It can be enough seeing someone online to kind of start that momentum. For me, for example, I do remember prior to having met Jamie, what helped me form this idea of what I wanted was following this one creator who I thought had such a beautiful relationship that felt like something that I would want. So going back to this kind of process, you can see someone else experiencing something that you desire, or perhaps you have even had a small glimpse into a firsthand experience with it. You say yes to it and are open to the idea that this could be a part of your life or a more significant part of your life. And then when you begin to see even the smallest of signs of that thing presenting itself to you, you can affirm to yourself, see, I told you so. So you're almost kind of like, having this feedback loop and this feedback cycle with your desire and with seeing that come into fruition. The thing is, like I said, we often operate with the momentum of saying, see, I told you so, only when bad things happen. So the undesirable experiences somehow feel more resonant with the image that we have of ourselves. And I've given this example before but I'll share it again to really articulate this point of how, in my case, being on social media and receiving thousands of comments and perceptions of me and projections of me and assumptions being made about me, at the beginning, and even still sometimes, I would say percentage-wise, 
percent, and I'm very lucky to experience this. 99% of the comments that I receive are supportive and positive and nice, and they make me feel good about myself. But even still, it's almost like I wouldn't fully believe those comments and I wouldn't fully internalize and accept them. It's almost like when we reject a compliment because it doesn't resonate perhaps with how we feel about ourselves. But then the 1% of maybe snarky or negative comments, that's where I would feel it really latched on to my self-image. And again, it was like, see, I told you so. See, I told you that people think this about you and that people are going to judge you and that they're going to say these things, even though it was such a small, small, small percentage. So it's almost like I was waiting to be right about the fact that I am unlovable, I'm unworthy of approval and acceptance, and that I generally am going to fail when I try to do things. So the trick I've found, and you may have already picked this up from what I'm saying, I believe this honestly to be some sort of cheat code, is to stop waiting or saying in general, see, I told you so, when undesirable outcomes happen, and start saying, see, I told you so, when desirable outcomes happen, even in the smallest of ways. And in doing so, our image of ourself expands into someone who is worthy of having what it is that we desire. And we begin to form and have more proof to help us shift away from our limiting narratives and trust since we've actively been observing it happening in our lives and we've been kind of aware of it. So what I think is really cool is now the universe can respond to the energy of, see, I told you that I'm deserving of X and X being whatever it is that you desire and sends you experiences that match that narrative instead of C, I told you that I have to give up X in order to get Y or whatever internal negotiation you're making with what you want. So when we're making decisions and interacting with experiences that we're having, a really simple question that I just like to ask is Basically, what is this decision activating? What momentum is this decision activating? Is it bringing me closer to what I desire? Or is it keeping me stuck in the same place that I said I wanted to get out of? And it's not to say that we'll make the perfect decision all of the time or that there even is a perfect decision, but more so starting to make more decisions that are supportive of your desired reality. And I do just want to say that on the topic of decisions, sometimes just making a decision to get us out of that place of feeling stuck, taking an action, however small it's going to be, even if it's just a mindset shift, can help us to start to build that momentum. And then slowly starting to get into the space where we're making the majority of our decisions in such a way that are supportive of what it is that we desire and realizing that the old patterns of thought or behavior aren't as prominent anymore. And of course, new things will pop up and it's kind of this ongoing iterative process of evolution and expansion, but we can start to let go of some of the things that have been perhaps holding us back for a really long time. One more personal example on the topic of creating that momentum towards things that we desire and starting to make 
decisions from that place. The fear of embarrassment and the fear of being judged is a big theme in my life. And so when I had identified that I wanted to have a more prominent space in social media and have a platform of some kind and some variety, there was a lot that I was battling with in order to even start so many different narratives about what it would mean to be judged and so much blocking me from actually even being able to simply post something. So obviously if my desire is to create a social media presence, then I need to be able to put some content out there. All of these internal narratives and mental habits and thought patterns and fears that I had were preventing me from actually doing the thing that I needed to do in order to connect with that reality. So initially, any time that I was being presented with an opportunity to express myself creatively and to make a post and work towards that reality for myself, I'm basically being presented with two alternatives. And of course, there are many more alternatives, but these are the two big dynamics playing out. I have one that's telling me, This is going to get you closer to where you want to be, even if it's not the perfect thing, just getting in the habit of posting and feeling like you're expressing yourself and like working through that fear, that is going to get you closer to where you want to be. On the other hand, you have this state of decision paralysis, overthinking, and in the end, not doing it or over perfecting or any number of behaviors, blocking behaviors that prevent you from actually taking that action. And that decision of, okay, I'm not going to post it because of XYZ is rooted in the belief that you are not good enough, that you have to alter yourself, that it has to be perfect. And what reality is that activating for you? So for me, it required working through all of these layers of shame and embarrassment and just making the decision that was going to activate the reality that I desired, which was taking action, posting, putting myself out there, working through that fear of embarrassment, by just exposing myself to it. And it's not always to say that there's going to be no fear when we're making these decisions. But again, going back to this idea of slowly, the old patterns of thought and all of these narratives that I have and all of these things that hold me back from posting and from showing up online aren't as prominent. They still exist, but they aren't as prominent and they're not dominating the majority of my decisions. As you probably know, if you are a listener of this podcast, a frequent listener, I'm a big fan of asking questions. And so I want to provide a little framework that I like to use when I'm experiencing a lot of resistance, frustration, I'm feeling blocked, or I feel like I'm pushing away something that I said I wanted. So as I mentioned, the first kind of level is seeing someone else experience something that we desire or perhaps we firsthand experience it in some small way. The question to ask here that can help to uncover some of your underlying narratives is why don't you see yourself with it? What is the negotiation that you feel you have to make in order to have that reality? And then to be able to uncover what narratives lie beneath those 
answers. So for instance, if you see someone else thriving as an entrepreneur, but the negotiation that you feel you have to make in order to do that is to give up all your family and friendships, to put all of them on the back burner, to work crazy amount of hours per week, and all of these negotiations that you don't feel that you want to make, to be able to investigate those a little bit further and perhaps seek out people who are doing it differently, or even just be open to the idea that it is possible to do it without that level of negotiation that feels unattainable to you. So after we witness seeing someone with something that we desire or witnessing it within our own reality, we can then say yes to it and open up to the idea that it could become a bigger part of our own physical reality. Now here I like to ask two questions. Why do I say no or why am I closed off to the idea that what I desire could become a part of my reality? Again, coming back to the idea that perhaps on some level it doesn't align with your self-image or the negotiation you are used to making. And then at the same time, the other question is why do I say yes to the things that perpetuate a pattern I'm trying to outgrow? Once we've said yes, we're open and maybe even making small shifts or decisions in the direction of the desire, so kind of activating that momentum, we may then start to observe small signs of it presenting itself to us. I always like to think of this like a seed that we've planted. And in this case, we've just seen a small sprout. This is when we can fall into the trap of thinking the signs or opportunities we're receiving aren't enough or don't mean anything or are coincidences and just don't provide enough proof for us to believe that that could be our reality. Or for instance, in the gardening example, that that sprout is going to grow into something. So to this, you can ask, why do I reject the signs that I am receiving? Going back to the gardening example, you wouldn't all of a sudden expect to see the entire plant at once. You would see a sprout first, and then you would continue to nurture and water that sprout with the faith that it will continue to grow. But I think for a lot of us, when we don't feel that we have enough proof and that what we're seeing is not enough to suggest that we could have this different reality that we desire, we just kind of give up or self-sabotage or throw it away. Okay, and then from there, you finally may start to actually experience your desired reality in a more physical and tangible way. And this is where we can start to feel that discomfort or begin to even push it away. So here, I really like to ask myself why I feel this discomfort or fear even. And what physical sensation does it invoke? And what does this sensation or emotion represent to me? So for instance, talking about my desire to have a social media presence or a social media platform, when I actually started to feel this happening and I started to gain some momentum and gain some traction, I actually started to really resist it happening. And I have talked about before why I felt this and the fears that I was feeling from just feeling that I wasn't worthy of having that platform. It didn't really resonate with my level of self-worth. I wasn't interesting enough. I would run out of ideas. I would, you know, just a, a bunch of fears that were present. And for me, 
how that manifested physically when I thought about that discomfort was I felt a physical sensation of tightness in my chest. And this may take some time. I know it did for me to actually begin to recognize how that manifests physically. For me, the sensation of tightness in my chest invokes fear and I feel like there is a danger. So the reason, understandably so, that I may be pushing away from this reality is because on some level, I'm scared of it and I'm reading that there is a sense of danger. And this is valid because perhaps it reminds me of a situation or an event from my early life where I was judged or excluded or laughed at or embarrassed. So to be in a position where that could happen to me again, I could actually interpret as being dangerous to my well-being. When I feel this happening and I sense that there is a deeper fear underneath that is causing me to retract or pull away from what it is that I desire, I always think that this is a good spot to integrate some inner child work and personally I don't really make this super complicated. I literally just imagine that I'm speaking directly to my inner child. I validate the sense of fear that they're feeling. I kind of try to imagine that I'm having a dialogue and just try to understand where that fear may be coming from. And I don't necessarily always have to get to the root of the event that may have caused this, but just to understand that this is coming from a place of protection and self-preservation. And then to be able to reassure them that we are safe, that we kind of have this sense of groundedness and that we are going to kind of navigate this situation together and even if something that we fear does happen for example even if we are judged or we're embarrassed that we will be okay because we have this strong foundation within ourselves so ultimately with the awareness of our answers to the questions We can start to give ourselves what we may be needing to work through some of the very understandable fear we feel towards the experience. Sometimes I find that we can tend to trivialize or think that our own fears are silly, like I can't even walk down the street without feeling embarrassed by myself. But it's not helpful to me to be ashamed about that. What is helpful to me is to understand that, to soothe it. And then to expose myself to it, if I should want to, in a way that I feel safe and that I can continue to build more data and more momentum under the narrative and the assumption that I'm okay and that I can move into a new habit and a new pattern and one that is going to be supportive of my growth and one that is going to lead me to the things that I desire and the experiences and the people that I desire to meet. So I think that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that this was helpful. To be honest, I kind of went into a flow state when I recorded this, so I literally kind of forget what I said. I wanted to like summarize everything, but I think generally what we are exploring in this episode and what I invite you to explore and what I'm exploring within myself is first what are the negotiations that we feel we're needing to make with whatever it is in order to receive whatever it is that we are desiring 
if we can unpack and understand that perhaps sometimes these negotiations are rooted in an experience that may have happened to us and some way that we're trying to protect ourselves, but to consider whether or not the negotiations are reflective of the values that we have and are reflective of us embodying and expressing our fullest, most most authentic selves. And then from there, to be able to examine when experiences are coming into our lives or we're being presented with opportunities to evolve, to expand, how we're responding to them and why we're responding in the way that we are and how we can start to reflect upon perhaps the mismatch we feel on our self-worth and how we can start to work on that rather than feeling like we always need to respond by abandoning some part of ourselves. So I hope that helped to summarize this episode. Like I said, I kind of go into this state of creativity and I kind of forget everything that I just said, but I hope that you found something helpful in this episode. Of course, if you are looking to integrate any of these things and you're looking to have more conversations and more practices to support you in this journey that you are on, then I'm going to be continuing to provide that in the Patreon and then of course on here as well. So thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful that you're here and I would love to hear how you like this episode. Feel free to just DM me. I always love to read those and love to hear your feedback. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you and I will see you in next week's episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.